It's an evening of old-time radio. The bakers of Weber's Bread present your all-star Western theater. Drifting Hollywood comes your all-star Western theater, starring America's great Western singers, Boy Willing and the Riders of the Purple Sage. Our guest today is one of Hollywood's bright new stars, Miss Jean Rogers, with a story of the West written especially for her. My name is Cottonseed Clark, and here are the Riders of the Purple Sage. There's an old prairie schooner wending its way over the Santa Fe Trail With its captain and crew pushing on, going through Over the Santa Fe Trail Anchors away at each break of day Old Captain Kidd never did it that way There's an old prairie schooner wending its way Over the Santa Fe Trail Pioneering 49ers sailed away in mighty liners over the sagebrush sea. Sailed away to far off lands, to the rolling burning sands, out on the lone prairie. Over the Santa Fe Trail. Over the Santa Fe Trail. Break of day, old Captain Kidd never did it that way. There's an old prairie schooner winding its way over the Santa Fe Trail. We hear a lot about the romantic cowboys of the old west, but little is said about the cowgirls who live in the great cattle ranges. Yes, sir, the women had a lot to do with the winning of the Old West. While the men were installing law and order in the great frontiers, their womenfolk were making homes out of rough shacks and ranch buildings. Those women knew the value of good food for their menfolks, just as do the women of today. That's why Weber's bread is so popular, because Weber's bread is good food, good bread. When a modern housewife buys a loaf of Weber's bread, she knows she can depend on its goodness and quality. She knows that every single member of her entire family will enjoy the longer-lasting freshness and flavor of Weber's bread. Buy a loaf of Weber's bread tomorrow. You'll like it. The likes and dislikes of music lovers may differ, but the Western fan goes to the head of the class for enthusiasm. This next offering by the Riders of the Purple Sage is a song that continues to win the enthusiastic applause of everyone even after two years of outstanding popularity. We know you will be pleased with their rendition of Oklahoma Hills. Way down yonder in the Indian nation I rode my pony on a reservation in the Oklahoma Hills where I was born. 
Way down yonder in the Indian nation, the cowboy's life and my occupation in the Oklahoma hills where I was born. Many months have come and gone since I wandered from my home in the Oklahoma hills where I was born. But a page of life has turned and a lesson I have learned in the Oklahoma hills I still belong. Way down yonder in the Indian nation, I rode my pony on a reservation in the Oklahoma hills where I was born. Way down yonder in the Indian nation, the cowboy's life is my occupation in the Oklahoma hills where I was born. Now as I sit here today, many miles I am away from the place I rode my pony through the draw. Where the oak and black jack trees kiss the playful prairie breeze in the Oklahoma hills where I was born. Way down yonder in the Indian nation, I rode my pony on a reservation in the Oklahoma hills where I was born. Way down yonder in the Indian nation, the cowboy's life is my occupation in the Oklahoma hills where I was born. Your all-star western theater has a special treat in store for its listeners today as we welcome a personal appearance from the screen's fine actress and grand new star, Miss Jean Rogers. Although not of the western screen, she likes the west and the people in it. She's our kind of folks. And here she is as Jane East in a story of the West entitled, Miss East Goes West. Ladies and gentlemen, sweet and lovely Miss Jean Rogers. At the turn of the century, before fast automobiles, streamlined trains and airplanes reduced the size of our continent from a neighborly point of view... People were quick to form opinions of others for the state or section of the country from which they came. In each instance where such opinions were formed, the populace of the person's own locale had an extremely high rating. Jane East anxiously wondered just how she would be accepted as her train slowly churned its way across the nation from her Boston home to a newly inherited world known as the Bar J.E. Ranch near the small cattle town of Star City, Texas. Excuse me, ma'am. Is this seat taken? No, it's quite all right. Oh, thank you, ma'am. You going far? Quite a distance. I'm going to Texas. Well, now, that's mighty nice. I'm going there, too. I'm a rancher down there. I suppose that's what you'd say I am. Well, that's about the last thing I figured you for. I'm really not. You see, my grandfather left the place to me more than a year ago. Where is it located? Near Star City. I know right where it is. That's a prosperous cattle country. It hasn't proven so for me. The ranch has been losing money the past year, so I'm going out to investigate. Well, who runs the spread for you? A cousin of mine. He's been a rancher all of his life. Well, I reckon I've heard everything now. An Easterner going out west to operate a ranch. What's your cousins and all the hands going to think about the idea? I don't know. That's what I'm wondering. What they're going to think about the idea. the idea, boss, of calling all of us together like this. I got some news for you, man. Is everybody here? Yeah. Well, that new hand Hartman isn't around must going into Star City. Oh, it isn't important to him anyhow. You ain't going to tell us some more of our cattle are missing? Worse than that as far as I'm concerned. You boys are going to have a new boss. Oh, a new what boss? are you talking about? Now, as most of you know, when old Grandpa East died, he left the bar J.E. layout to my cousin Jane from Boston. She got our last annual report showing losses for the year. She decided to come out and run things herself. She's due here on the Star City local tomorrow noon. Well, what are you oh, I'll declare. Well, look, Bob, now, 
It's all right, but she's a woman and she's an Easterner. Yeah, yeah you can't even understand how they talk. Yeah, they always say cotton, shanton. Yeah, and like women that, don't know it? nothing. I quit. Yeah, yeah too, that huh? goes for me, too. I ain't taking orders from nothing with a dress on, especially from Boston. Now, now, fellas, take it easy. Let's well, hope it's not as bad as it sounds. She better not be coming around my kitchen shack and telling me how to cook. I'll tell her off, I will. I will. Yeah, might make things a little inconvenient for her if we decide... She might decide to go back home and let me run things if I can get this spread straightened out of the hole. Eh? In other words, we give the old girl a full-grown dose of ranch. That's the That's idea. what I call a right pert idea. After yes, all, I've worked hard to make a go of this place, haven't I, boys? Yes, sir. With all the cattle right. thieving that's been going on, there ain't nobody could do any better, could that's they? Right. Well, what does this cousin of yours look like, boss? I've never seen her. I don't know anything about her. Ah, uh, more than likely some old nosy bitty in a hoop skirt. Well, she better steer clear of my kitchen. Women ain't got no business on the ranch unless they're married to the boss, and then they're a dang nuisance. Did I hear somebody say they're getting married? No, Hartman. I was just going over some business with my regular hand. Well, uh, sorry, boss. I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, on second thought, I've got a chore for you tomorrow. Sure. What is it? My cousin, a Miss Jane East from Boston, will arrive in Star City at noon. Take Baldy and meet the train. Now, just a doggone minute there, boss. Leave Baldy out of this. I don't want no part of that old maid cousin of yours. She won't bite, Baldy. <laughs> <laughs> and Hartman, you better take the new buckboard. Okay, boss. Bolly will leave about 11. Good night, uh, fellas. Good night, Good night. Sam. And, boss, you don't seem to like this new hand much. I don't like to get too friendly with a new man until I know who they are and what they are. Well, he seems like an all right guy to me. Yeah? Yeah. Let's see how he works out. Well, Baldy, the local ought to be coming around the bend most any minute now. Oh, you can't tell about them trains. Sometimes they're on time, the next time they're late. I don't care if this one never shows up. Oh, come on, Baldy. Maybe Miss Jane won't be as bad as you think. If she wears a skirt, it ain't good. And I ought to know. I've been married four times. (laughs) I know what you mean. But here's hoping everything will work out all right between the two of you. Well, now, that's right nice of you to sympathize with me like that. I've been wanting to ask you, Baldy... Why is it the boss don't seem to like me? Oh, Barton ain't much on strangers. After he gets to know you better, I think everything will be all right. Well, uh, I can't see what being a stranger has to do with it, as long as I do my work. Well, uh, there's been so much rustling going on the past year that he don't put much trust into nobody. Mm -hmm. Hi, Molly. Meet the train? Hi, Scotty. Yeah, meet the darn fool old woman from Boston. (laughs) Yeah, laugh, you. Here she comes, Bolly. I was afraid of that. I'll tell you, Bill. I I think I'll just wait in the buggy. You meet her by yourself. Oh, no, you don't. I'm not too keen on women folks myself. Yeah, I'm glad to hear you say that. I'm going to learn to like you. I wonder what the old gal looks like. Oh, she's probably got three chins and two stomachs. Got what? Three chins and two stomachs. Oh, I see. Well, we'll soon know. She'll be getting off the train most any minute now. These trains just scare me to death. Do you see her yet, Bill? Well, I don't see anybody getting off but old man Jenkins and that pretty young woman there. Oh, 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 what's old man Jenkins doing with her? Well, I don't believe he's with her. They just got off together. Say, that, that pretty gal is heading this way. Oh, I uh, beg your pardon, but uh, could you gentlemen direct me to the bar, J.E. Ranch? Yes, ma'am. It's about five miles west of here on the... What did you say? I want to know where the bar, J.E. Ranch is. Well, you you couldn't be Miss, uh, Miss Jane East, could you? I couldn't, I am. Yahoo! I'll bust my britches. Is something wrong? There sure is. I mean, uh, well, you see, Miss Jane, we're from the bar, J.E., and, and we came to meet you. My name is Bill Hartman. I'm glad to know you, Mr. Hartman. And my, my name is Loudermilk. Most folks just call me Baldy. Well, how do you do, Baldy? Just fine, thank you, ma'am. How do you do? The, the buckboard is over here, Miss Jane. We'll take you right out. 
thank you. I'll take your bags, Miss Jane. I don't want you to worry about nothing now. Hot ziggity doggone. This sure ain't what we expected. You see, Miss Jane, I'm new at the ranch, so I can't rightly say how everything is. Oh, I was just asking to make conversation. After all, you boys haven't said very much since we left the railroad station. Well, I reckon it's because we didn't expect anybody, uh, that is, anybody like you. Is that so? Just what did you expect? Well, uh, someone with, uh, someone with, uh... With uh, three chins and two stumps. Yeah, three chins and two stumps. Yeah, I mean, uh, oh. Well, I, I hope I didn't disappoint you. Oh, you sure didn't, uh... Of course, Baldy here just naturally don't like women. That is a lie. I like all women except them I've been married to. There ain't nobody that appreciates a good, pretty woman more than I do, and if you ask me, the rest of the boys are going to really be surprised when we get you home. I'm sure we'll all get along splendidly, Baldy. Oh, I'm sure we will, Miss Jane. And by the way, if, if you've got any good recipes, uh, I'd be mighty glad to cook something up for you. Hot diggity dog, will I churn up a mess of vittles for you. I reckon we can look for Baldy to really put on the dog with his cooking now. Well, I ain't one to brag, but you ain't going to see no bones under the skins of them cow hands I've been cooking for. <laughs> <laughs> hey, boss, here comes Bill and Baldy with her now. All right, boys, be on your good manners. All right, let's go. <laughs> Come on in here. You going to kiss her, boss? You know she's your cousin. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you mavericks. Let up now. No funny stuff. Uh, hey, she don't look so bad from here. Hey, boss, you reckon they got the wrong person by mistake? Look at that. She's as pretty as a spotted guinea hen. Well, from the looks of her, my kin folks ain't so bad. You're oh, not a kidding. Oh, here they are. Oh. Hey, boy, did you well, boss, here she is. Oh. Cousin Jane, this is mighty nice seeing you. Right. Hello, Bob. Here, I'll help you now, Miss Jane. Boys, boys, take it easy. Hello, boys. Now that I've met you, Bob, I know all my relatives. Oh, Bill, put the team up. All right, boss. And, Baldy, you better get some food ready for Miss Jane. Yes, sir, boss. I've got a special meatloaf I'm going to have you try, Miss Jane. It's the best thing you've ever tasted. I'll, I'll have dinner in about an hour, boys. <laughs> well, he was right about the food. Soup's the best he ever made. It's delicious. He's awfully nice, too. Here he comes with that meatloaf. Well, Baldy, it looks like I hit the nail on the head when I said we're going to put on the dog with your cooking. Well, I'm afraid this is going to taste more like I cooked up the dog. <laughs> Something went wrong. Here's this matters, Jane. Hey, you dear. Help yourself. Thank you. Baldy's all right, and I think he's a good cook, too. Oh, now, you don't have to say that, Miss Jane. Well, I mean it. Say, this meatloaf isn't half bad. Hey, it tastes all right to me. Jim, where have you been? You're generally the first one at the table. Been looking for spots. You know, that fool dog's been missing more than an hour now. Oh. Oh. Well, Jane, I suppose you'd like an accounting of the ranch activities? Yes, Bob. You know that if we continue at a loss as we have done in the past, then something is going to have to be done about it. Perhaps you have the answer. But operating at a property is mighty hard when cattle thieves hit a herd as hard as they've hit ours. But it's been going on for so long. Isn't there some way to put a stop to it? Yeah, it's easier said than done. Hasn't anything been done to combat the rustlers? We've done everything we can. After all, I put my men against those killers. They wouldn't stand a chance. Besides, it happens that I value the lives of those boys more than I value your cattle. I'll agree to that, but it seems to me that something can be done about it. You brought me ideas along from Boston. I'd like to hear them, Jane. 
I'm afraid you're being sarcastic. No, no, it isn't that. Look, Jane, when a dozen rustlers start towards your herd bent on killing everybody that tries to interfere, there's only one thing to do. Run for your life. Believe me, that's what my men have instructions to do. They're my friends. But, Bob, it just doesn't make sense. Can't you hire gunmen to help fight them? And do away with the men who's been with us so long? No, not me. You want to make such a move, you'll have to take charge yourself. I'm afraid you've been reading too many Western stories, no doubt. When was our cattle raided last? About a week ago. We got 42 head of our best stock. In dollars and cents, that's a lot of money. Who was tending herd at the time? Why, uh, I was riding herd myself. I always do whatever I ask my men to do. Well, Bob, that's noble of you, but I'm going to take some action. Hmm? What do you intend doing? Call all the boys together. First of all, we're going to have a little meeting. Now, now, boys, boys, I've called you together to tell you that I'm going to hire another crew of men to tend herds. Wait a minute. Every one of you will continue to get your wages. No one is going to be discharged. Jane, we can't afford that. It's cheaper than losing our cattle. But what's wrong with us doing the job, Miss Jane? If any of you boys care to volunteer, you'll be accepted. But, Jane, you can't ask these boys to fight against such odds. I'm not asking them. You can count me in on that, Miss Jane. I like the idea. How long have you been here at the ranch, Bill? Oh, about six weeks. Now, how about the rest of you? You can count me in, Miss Jane. I think we should have done this a long time ago. Yeah, me too. I think it's a good idea. Jane, I tell you, this is a mistake. The boys are making their own choice, Bob. Jim, I'd like you and Bill to hire about six more men to help you. I want those cattle guarded day and night. What's wrong with me hiring the men, Jane? After all, I'm running the place for you. You said yourself, Bob, that you didn't want to take any part of asking the men to take such a responsibility. So I'm taking the responsibility of asking them myself. Well, I hope you know what you're doing. Miss Jane, I I think you're on the right track. Me too. But for an Easterner who never saw a ranch before, where'd you get your ideas? For the entire trip aboard the train from Boston, I sat next to a long, tall rancher from Texas. And believe me, when I arrived in Star City, I was a college graduate in ranching. (laughs) Why, hello, Bill. Howdy, Miss Jane. What brings you here at this hour of the night? I'd like to talk with you for a few minutes. Sure. Come on in. Thank you. Sit down. What's on your mind? Miss Jane, uh, you've been here almost six weeks now. And since we put your plan into operation, not one attempt has been made at stealing your cattle. I've thought of that. You know, I wonder if the cattle thieves have been warned that our herd is being well guarded. That's what I've been thinking. Then uh, what do you have in mind? I have a plan. I'll go over and talk with all of the men. Will you send for me, Jane? Yes, Bob, I wanted to talk to you. Oh, what's on your mind? The boys have been on the job constantly for many weeks now, and we've had no disturbance from rustlers. Yeah, it looks as if they bled up on us for a spell. I was thinking, since a large part of our stock is in the pens ready for shipment, suppose we have a couple of men guard the herd in the north section and let the other boys go to town. They need a little rest and recreation. Jane, that's a right good idea. I'm sure it'll be safe. I'll tell the boys. I've already told them. Bob and Jim volunteered to stay on the job. Shouldn't you have told me before you took action? I didn't think it was necessary. You weren't here, and the boys were anxious to get into town early. Well, if you ask me, things in town are going to be mighty hot tonight. I may ride in and see if they don't get into any trouble. Splendid. Yeah, then I'll leave right away, Jane. I want to stop by the Circle C and have a talk with John Casey about our next shipment. Then I'll join the boys in town. (laughs) 
You men have your orders, so I'd suggest that you ride in behind those rocks there and just wait. But, Bill, what makes you think this herd's going to be hip tonight? Just a fool notion, but a good one. The boss had to go into town on business, so Miss Jane put me in charge. It all sounds kind of crazy to me, hiding behind rocks when we're supposed to be in town having a good time. It may be, but it won't hurt to try. Now, it's coming dark, and you men may have a long wait. So move on back there where you won't be seen. The way these cattle are bunched up in this notch, it'll be a sense to trap anyone that makes a play for them. Jim and me will stay out in the open here. Okay, Bill. I hope it works. Come on, boys. Let's go. Well, it's going on 11 o'clock and nothing's happened yet, Bill. Yeah. We might be barking up the wrong tree. You ride over and see how the boys are doing. All right. I'll be right back. Jim, wait. Here comes someone. Yeah, I see him. Back behind this bush. Quick. All right. All right. Start reaching. I'll do nothing of the kind. Uh, Miss Jane, uh, wh- what are you doing here? Well, I hadn't heard from you in several hours, Bill, and I was getting worried about you. Uh, wasn't you worried about me, too, Miss Jane? <laughs> well, yes, I, I I, mean that I was worried about all of you. Oh. Miss Jane, uh, you better ride back to the ranch. If something does happen, this is no place for you. I'll be all right. Where are the boys hiding? Behind those rocks over there. If rustlers do show up, they'll come right past them and we'll have them trapped in this notch. Hey, Bill, look. Beyond that herd, there by the edge of the thicket. Well, company has come. That's them. Miss Jane, move back in the thicket there. You're in danger out here. I'll do no such thing. I said get behind it and I mean it. Now get going. Come on, get. Of all the nerves. Now don't make a move, Jim. They'll get as close to us as possible before they make their play. They've already passed the rocks. Good. That puts them between us and the other men. Uh, If they know they're trapped, they'll give in. Shall I give the boys a signal now? Wait just a minute. Now, fire your gun. Come on, Jim. We've got them where we want them. Let's go. Come on, I'm right with you. Come on. All right, reach, all of you. Pull it up. We ain't Get them up. Now pull off those bandanas. Come on, every one of you. Come on, pull them off. off. You two, partner, off with it. We want to see what you look like, too. All right. Come on, off off with it. It's the boss. Barton. Hey. What do you know? Well, boss, looks like this is your bad night. All right, Hartman. I give up. We had to find you out the hard way, Bob. You mean you suspected this, Jane? For quite a while now. When your grandfather left the bar J.E. to Miss Jane instead of you, you figured you'd steal what you didn't inherit. I might have known you had a hand in this, Hartman. I haven't trusted you since the day I hired you. You're a fine one to speak of trust. All right, boys. Take him into town and lock him up until morning. Okay, boys. Tell the sheriff I'll be by and take him to headquarters. Good. And what do you mean by headquarters? This. Well, bust my buttons, Bill. You're a ranger. That's right. I've been working toward this rustling band for a long time. When I hired out as a hand on the bar, J.E., I hit the nail right on the head. Well, Miss Jane, I hope you have a lot of luck with your ranch now. I'd feel a lot better if I had you as a foreman. There's nothing I'd like better except, uh... Except being a ranger? Well, that wasn't what I was thinking. But we'll let that do for the time being. I'm going to miss you. Do you really mean it? More than anything. In that case, I've got to send a telegram to headquarters. What do you mean? I think, uh, I think I'd rather be your, uh, foreman. Ah, thank you, Miss Jean Rogers, for your appearance on the All-Star Western Theater. Friends and neighbors, our guest star and the riders of the Purple Sage will return in a moment. Way out west where men were men and women were pretty handy with shooting irons, too, is one way of adding a new twist to an old saying. 
If anyone doesn't believe that statement, they'd better look up the record of the famous Annie Oakley, for one. Young women of the West knew how to handle horses and guns and could run a cattle ranch as well as the next. They stood behind their men, folks, just as do the modern women of today. Yes, today, mothers and wives and sweethearts make sure that hungry appetites are satisfied by using Weber's bread for every meal, breakfast, lunch, dinner, or in-between snacks. You, too, will find that Weber's firm, even texture and delicious flavor will satisfy your menfolk's appetite. So buy a loaf of Weber's bread tomorrow. Now, friends and neighbors, here is Foy Willing with our guest star, Miss Jean Rogers. Miss Rogers, we want you to know that we're all mighty happy that you took the time to visit with us today. It's a real pleasure, Foy, and I hope you and the boys will invite me again sometime real soon. Then that will be something for us to look forward to. Now it's time for you to fulfill your promise to me. Well, if I can get Jimmy Dean and Al Slower to stop looking at you... And into the microphone, we'll do it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I've asked the boys to sing a favorite new song of yours and mine. Although it isn't classed as a Western song, it has the same simple sincerity that makes Western music so very popular this day and time. I'm sure you'll enjoy the Riders of the Purple Sage singing, To Each His Own. Our rose must remain with the sun its lovely promise won't come true. To each his own, to each his own, and my own is you. What good is a song if the words don't belong, and a dream must be a dream for two. If a flame is to grow, there must be a goal. To open each door, there's a key. I need you, I know. I can't let you go. Your touch means too much to me. For lips must insist on two more to be kissed. Or they'll never know what love can do. To each his own, I found my own, one and only Oh, I found 
From Hollywood, you've heard your all-star Western theater, a V.M. Bear production starring Foy Willing and the Riders of the Purple Sage. Our guest star for today has been that popular star of the screen, Miss Jean Rogers. My name is Cottonseed Clark. Miss Rogers has been currently starred in the Paramount production Hot Cargo with William Gargan and Philip Reed and Republic's Gay Blades. The Riders of the Purple Sage may be seen in Republic's all-color Western, Out California Way. of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty high silver, the Lone Ranger. People of seven states thrilled to the daring action of a phantom figure of the plains who rode in the cause of justice. No one ever knew where he came from nor where he went when he completed his heroic deeds. But even today the cowboys gather around the campfire and tell stories of this famous masked man, of his heavy six guns with their bullets of silver, of his great white horse, the fastest the West has ever known. Here he comes, riding like the wind, blazing new trails in the west of old. The Lone Ranger rides again. Come on, Silver, old boy. That's it, old fellow. We have a big job ahead of us. We must hurry, old boy. Hurry, old Silver, hurry. Jim Murdoch was a wealthy man. He drew huge profits from the gold mine he owned, and out of those profits, he had built a large home standing on the edge of Grant's Canyon. As tonight's story opens, we see him with a visitor, Barney Holden, the man to whom Murdoch owed his present position. Holden has brought news from town. So that's what Abe Jenkins planned to do with you, Murdoch. Come here demanding that I help him out, huh? Yeah. 
He claims that you and him owned the mine between you. Then you suggested that you split it, and each of you take a section for your own and work it independent. That's just what we done. He's sore because your half panned out first rate while his wasn't worth a hoot. Well, we both took the same risk, didn't we, Holden? Sure. <laughs> as far as he knows. You don't reckon he suspects the truth, do you? No, uh, how could he? Then why is he talking around town about coming to me for help? He's desperate. That's why, Murdoch. Yeah? His wife is sick and his kid's half-starved. Ah. He figures you could spare some grub and blankets without never missing them. So he's coming here to demand that same. I see. He said some pretty hard things about you. Ah. The worst of it is, Jim, most everyone in town sides with him. It'd be tough if he ever did learn the truth about that deal. I know enough law to know that he could make it downright tough for you. I wish he'd move out in these parts. I'd pay him to do it. Well, that'd be smart. If he wasn't around here, there wouldn't be no chance of his ever learning the truth. But he won't move away. Maybe if I offered him some cash... That'd only make him all the more suspicious. He suspects enough already. Maybe so. You offer him cash to move away after refusing him loans, and he'd know there was something funny about that gold mine deal. It'd be worth a lot to me to have him out of the way. Would it? Yes, it... What do you mean? Just that. Would it be worth a lot to you to get him out of your way? You talk like you might have ideas. Maybe I have. I wouldn't want a, a murder on my hands. Mm. That wouldn't be necessary, Jim. It was you that schemed the gold mine deal in the first place. It made you rich. Maybe you got another smart idea. Suppose I sort of outline it and see how you like it. Yeah, suppose you do. While Murdoch and Holden made further plans against Abe Jenkins the man they'd already robbed, Jenkins was making his way to Murdoch's home. As he approached the large house at the canyon's edge, he loosened the safety catch on his holster to make sure he could draw in a hurry. He's there alone. I'll make out all right. Hate to think of robbing a man, but I'd do more than that to see Martha and the kids warm and well-fed for once. Hope he's alone in there. Who is it? It's me. Abe Jenkins, open up, Murdoch. I want to talk with you. Sakes alive, Abe. What brings you out on this sort of night? Step inside. I aim to... Sit down by the fire and warm up. You must have had a hard trip from the valley. Not as hard as going back will be. How's that? It's downhill going back, ain't it? Yep. Only I'll have a lot of things to carry when I go back. Murdoch? I'm here for some cash money, some grub, and some blankets. Yeah? Yes, and I'm going to get them. Here, put down that shooting iron. What ails you? Maybe you never faced a man that was driven to thieving by the sight of his wife and kids being cold and sick and hungry. Well, you're facing one right now. You don't mean your folks. Yes. Gosh, I didn't know that. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you thought I was fooling when I asked you to lend me some cash a while back. Will I? I ain't in the habit of lending money. But if it's grub and blankets you want, sakes alive, Abe, you're welcome to them. All you can carry. All a mule can carry. A mule wouldn't eat the grub my kids have had to eat for the past week. I'm downright sorry things are so tough. Maybe you know why they're tough. What do you mean? You pulled a slick trick on me when you talked in, me into splitting the gold mine. 
That gave you all the land that was worth anything. Now, Abe, you know that ain't a fair charge. I took the same chance you did. I didn't think your half would peter out. No. Of course I didn't. No more than I thought my half would turn out rich. I can't prove nothing, so I'll shut up about the mistake I made. But I'm getting food and blankets. Why, sure. Come on, Abe, we'll fix up a big bundle for you to take along with you. Uh, I don't know what to make of you, Murdoch. Why? You're acting a darn sight different about this than I thought you would. I ain't as bad as you tried to tell everyone I was, Abe. How'd you know what I've been telling folks? I hear things. Maybe you heard me telling it around that I hope someday to prove that you knew half of the mine was no good. No, I ain't heard nothing like that. There ain't no truth in it. Maybe not. But what about that stuff? Come on with me and you'll get it. Gosh, Jenkins, I'm glad to help you and your folks out. Murdoch gave Jenkins the blankets and food he asked for, and he helped him to load them on a mule. Then, shortly after Jenkins had returned home with the provisions, Barney Holden hurried into the cafe in town with a startling announcement that he had found evidence of an attack upon Murdoch. The sheriff demanded further information. How'd you know there'd been foul play at Jim Murdoch's place, Barney? I went there just to spend the evening with my friend Jim, and the house showed signs of a terrible fight. Josh... Where's Murdoch? That's just it. The door was open wide with the wind howling through the house, and there was furniture upset and things busted, and no sign of Jim Murdoch around anywhere. Who went there? How'd I know? I spent some time looking around the house, and when I seen what must have happened to Murdoch, I hustled back here to tell you. Uh, what must have happened to him? Murdered. Did you find him? No, but you know where his house is. Right at the edge of the ravine. Yeah. Well, what happened? There's a window looking out in the ravine, and that window was smashed. Gosh. Looked like someone had gone through it. Then we'd be likely to find Jim at the bottom of the ravine. Well, that's what I'm afeard of, Sheriff. Sakes alive. Looked to me like a robbery. Robbery and murder. Well, who could have done it? I got a blame good idea. Who? Just name the man that killed my friend and let me at him. Wait. Hey, Sam. Come in, Sheriff. Sam, you was telling me about Abe Jenkins early this evening. Yeah? What was he saying? I remember him being mad about something. Quiet, Barney. Go on, Sam. Uh, well, as I recollect, uh, Abe Jenkins was found. He'd make Jim Murdoch hand out the things he was needing. Just so. Abe Jenkins, huh? Why didn't I think of him? He's been sore Jim Murdoch for a long time. Yeah, a plenty sore. But gosh, Abe wouldn't go that far, would he? Why wouldn't he? Ain't no telling how far a man would go when his wife and kids are cold and hungry. But Abe didn't look to me like a man that'd do murder. He was mad enough, wasn't he, Sam? Hmm, seemed like he was. Then he's the one to question. Yeah. We look at the bottom of the ravine in the morning. We may as well call on Abe right now and see what he's got to say for himself. If he's killed Jim Murdoch, then I want the personal job of dealing with him. If he's done a murder, we'll see that the law deals with him. Well, I'm betting Jenkins is plumb innocent. That's the trouble. A jury will hear of all his hard luck and let him off scot-free. Oh, no, they won't, Barney. It's one of two things. Abe done it or he didn't. If he didn't do it, he won't get arrested. If he did, he'll hang. No two ways about that. Come on, we'll go and call on him. Tonto, you heard all that? Mm, you remember what we heard about the way Jim Murdoch swindled Abe Jenkins? Uh-huh. 
We came here to see if we couldn't get a square deal for the poor fellow. Mm, that right. Now it seems that he needs friends more than he did before. Him? Good feller. I don't think he'd do what Barney Holden says. You know plenty about that feller. Yes, I do. Come on, Kimasabi. We're going to follow the lawman and hear what Abe Jenkins has to say. Sheriff and Barney Holden, accompanied by a group of men, went immediately to Jenkins' home to question Abe. The Lone Ranger and Tonto followed them without being observed. And when the party arrived at the house, the masked man and his companion were in a position to overhear what was said. We'll stay by this window, Tonto. We can hear what's said inside the place. That's right. Wrap again, Sheriff. They must be to home. Hey, ain't that one of Murdoch's mules tied there? Looks like it. The law. Open up, Jenkins. Sakes alive, Sheriff. What's the trouble? Won't ask you a few questions. Not so loud. You'll wake the youngsters. Been doing some cooking here, ain't you? We just fed the kids and they went to sleep. First time in weeks they had blankets enough to keep them warm. Yeah? Where'd the blankets come from? And Jim Murdoch gave them to me. When? Why, uh, tonight. I went there and he gave me a pack of food and some blankets. And loan me a little cake. That ain't true. What? You know blame well Murdoch don't give things away. I never heard of him giving anything away in my life. He don't. But he did so. You don't think I stole them from him, do you, Sheriff? Never mind what I think right now. What happened while you were there? Nothing. Why? You have a row with him? No. Nope. Listen to him. Jenkins, you was telling everybody that you'd get help from Murdoch or you'd know the reason why. He was right glad to help me. <laughs> Wait. Let me ask something, Sheriff. What's all these questions about, anyway? Listen here, Jenkins. What else did Murdoch give you? Well, uh, he let me borrow a mule. What else? Nothing else. Look here. Jim Murdoch ain't going to you, Sheriff, and said I stole from him, has he? He ain't come to me, no. Then what's Jenkins, all... did he give you his gold watch? Gosh, no. Or that fancy diamond ring he wears? No. Then what are they doing there on your fireplace mantel? Oh, how'd they get there? Leaping snakes. Take a look, Sheriff. I see him. Name's Jim Murdoch's all right. I didn't put him there. I don't know how they got there. Sheriff, what's this mean? You better come along with me, Abe. For what? I ain't done nothing. Take him into custody, boys. No, no, you can't. He's told you the truth. We'll investigate some more in the morning. Investigate what? The bottom of Grant's Canyon. That's where we likely find the body. Body? Oh. Jim Murdoch's body. Hold on, you don't mean... Sheriff, you ain't saying that... Take him away, boys. He's to be held on a charge of murder. The curtain falls on the first act of tonight's thrilling Lone Ranger drama. Before the next exciting scenes, please permit us to pause for just a few moments.
Now to continue our story. You will recall that in the first act of tonight's Lone Ranger drama, we learned that Murdoch and Holden cheated Abe Jenkins out of his share of a gold mine, now owned by Murdoch. Jenkins, reduced to poverty, appealed to Murdoch for food and blankets. These were given him. But shortly after Jenkins returned home, Holden announced in town that he had found evidence pointing to the murder of Murdoch. Jenkins was arrested, but the Lone Ranger believed in his innocence. That same night, he and Tonto rode to the bed of Grant's Canyon. We hear them as they halt at the spot, where, according to Holden's story, Murdoch's body should be found. Oh, oh, that's in the road, boy. Oh, oh, wait. Oh, oh. Place? Yes. And it's mighty dark here, Kimosabe. Too dark to see very much. Uh, we'll have to do our best. You got ID? I don't think Abe Jenkins is guilty of the thing he's charged with. You know Barney Holden. I know enough about him to suspect that he might have framed Abe Jenkins. Mm, that's right. Um, me take a look on ground. If Abe told the truth and Holden put that watch and ring in his house just to make it appear that he'd killed Murdoch. Uh, I'll dismount and help you look around down here, Tonto. If anyone has fallen from the ledge above, we might find him before the sheriff. Mm, that pretty long fall. It's quite possible he'd have fallen into the water. That's right. The beach along here is mighty narrow. Him fall in water, we not find him. Stream is pretty swift. Might carry him down quite a distance. Uh. In that case, the lawman might convict Abe Jenkins without finding the body because of the difficulty of searching for it. They wouldn't need it to prove there's been a murder. That right. Wait. What is it, Tonto? Me here splashing water. If there were only more light down here, we could search better. Uh. Heard it that time, Toto. Huh? Something fall in water. There's only one place it could fall from. That's up on top of the ledge. Not right. And if Jim Murdoch is dead, there wouldn't be anyone up there. Maybe him not dead. In any case, we're going up above and find out. Plenty long way round. We can make it before daybreak. Yep. Come on, Toto. Uh, me, be ready. Come on, Silver. Last man in Tonto could not find Murdoch's body. Instead, they were disturbed by loose stones falling from the direction of Murdoch's home above at the top of the canyon. And they made their way to the house to investigate. The scene changes now to the trail from town. It is the following morning, and the sheriff, accompanied by several deputies and Barney Holden, is riding toward Murdoch's place at Grant's Canyon. Door's open just like you said, Barney. Sure it is. I wouldn't have no reason to tell what wasn't true, would I? We didn't find no sign of Murdoch at the bottom of the ravine. That don't prove nothing. Well, the water could have carried him away. Sure it could. Oh, oh, there. Oh, oh. Anywhere. Should we go right in and search the place here? What do you think we come here for? To sit on the steps? Yeah, I was only asking. Uh, yeah. Right, Sunday, it looks like a clean-cut case again, Abe Jenkins. The watch and ring showed he wasn't telling the truth. Yeah. I reckon he figured we'd believe his story about Jim Murdoch giving him food and blankets. But it's too much to think that Murdoch could give him the watch and ring. Yes, so. I'm sorry for Abe. He ain't a killer at heart. He just was drove to it by poverty. It don't matter what drove him to it. Maybe a jury will let him get away with murder. I most wish they would. Yeah. Of course, it'll look awful bad for the sheriff's record. 
Other counties that speak of this one is a place where they let men get away with murder. He won't get away with it. I don't blame you, Sheriff. You got your reputation to look out for. Gosh, there's sure enough been a scrap in this house, ain't they, though? Sure has. There's the window at the rear. You see where I figured he went through? What's beyond the window? The ravine. The house right on the edge of the ravine? Well, no, there's five feet of ground there, but that's all. Maybe Murdoch didn't go over the edge. Oh, he went over all right enough. How do you know that? I looked out the window last night when I was here. Held a lamp up so as I could see out. Mm. I could see where the ground had been disturbed from him sliding over the edge. We'd have a look outside. Yeah, we can go right through. Hey, what's this? What you got there, Sam? Mm, looks to be a letter of some sort. Let me see it. Yeah, it was thrown in the fireplace to burn. But it looks like the wind come and blowed it out. You can see where it's charred. Yeah. What's it say? Well, now this is downright interesting. What is it, Sheriff? Don't you know, Barney? No, can't say as I do. I'll just hang on to this for a time. Yeah, but let me see it. Nope. Come on. We'll get out that busted window and have a look at the ledge outside. I. Hey. What's the matter? There's Jim Murdoch on the ground. What? Let me see. Sure enough, there he is. Lying face down on the ground there. Now come on through this window. Maybe he ain't dead yet. I don't see how he... What's the matter, Barney? I thought you told me he wasn't here last night. I, I didn't see him. Uh, Sam, you take care of Murdoch. The rest of you stay here. Oh, uh... Barney, you was here after Jenkins left, wasn't you? Yes, I... Well, that is, I... According to your own story, you was. Uh, I reckon so. Well, you're the one who said the house was all tore up like this. Now, it seemed to me, Barney, that if you didn't see Murdoch there, when you come here after Abe had left, it couldn't have been Abe that put him there. Uh, how is he? Is he hurt bad? Now, wait a minute, Barney. You stay right here. Sam's looking over him. What'd you find, Sam? Ain't nothing can be done for him now. Gone? Yep, he's done for him. Then Abe Jenkins done it. I wouldn't be so fast as to say that, Barney. But he must have. I reckon when I looked out the window last night, I, I must have been so excited that, well, I didn't see him. It was dark, you know. Yeah, but you said you had a lamp. Well, maybe I just missed seeing him. But what's the difference? A lot of difference, Barney. Well, I don't see what it is. If any... Murdoch wasn't here when Abe left, then it couldn't have been Abe that done the job. Mm, no. That means it must have been someone else. Now, let me have a close look at him. The rest of you stay back there. Oh, Sam, you help me. Yeah. Maybe we can find some more clues, Sheriff. Maybe so. Something to go with that paper from the fireplace. Hey, Sheriff's got something already. Mm. Reckon I have. What is it, Sheriff? Jim Murdoch's hands closed tight on something here. I'm trying to get it loose. What is it? Now, don't be so fast about it. Let me find out for myself. He's holding on to something mighty tight. Now, can you get it? I'll get it. Mm. Ah. Shucks, ain't nothing but a button. A button? Yeah, looks like a button from a vest, a fancy one. Sure enough. Say, Abe Jenkins don't wear buttons of that sort. Abe Jenkins ain't even got a fancy vest. Now, let me see... That might be a mighty important clue. Hold on, Barney. You're wearing a fancy vest with buttons like this. Stand still there. Let me take a look. Doggone. There's a button missing from Barney's vest. That ain't my button, I tell you. Now hold steady. Let me compare the two. By thunder, it's identical to the one that's on your vest. And here's threads still clinging to the bottom. Do they match the threads in the vest? They sure do. I can't understand it. I didn't have no scrap of Jim Shut Murdoch. Shut up a minute. Let me think. But I tell you, Sheriff's the frame up. I Keep an I... eye on it, boys, till I have another look at this hunk of paper Sam pulled from the fireplace. Oh, he got you covered, Barney. Just don't make no move till the Sheriff figures things out. Ah. This here paper, Barney, tells about you owing a sight of money to Jim Murdoch. It ain't so. It ain't the truth. It's a note 
promising to pay him $5,000. I never owed no money like that. How would I owe him such money? He never loaned money in his life. Now, if you was here last night and found out Abe Jenkins had been here before you... Oh, I was here. Listen to me. Shut up and let the sheriff talk. You might have found out that Murdoch did just what Abe said he'd done. You mean Murdoch might have really give Abe food and blankets? Sure he might have. Then Barney sees a chance to get rid of Murdoch. Throw the blame on Abe and burn this note so he wouldn't have to pay it. Listen to me. I tell you, that ain't so. There ain't a word of truth in it. That note's a forgery. Let me see the name signed to it. Is this your writing? No, it ain't. I never wrote that. I reckon a jury will have to decide that, Barney. This note shows the motive for you wanting to kill Jim Murdoch. But I didn't, I tell you. And him having tore a button from your vest, maybe as you was trying to push him through the window, eh? I didn't. I've been framed, I tell you, framed. I didn't do it. Me and Jim Murdoch was the best of friends. Well, there's Murdoch. Here's this note. Here's the button. And there's your vest. Looks to me like we got more of a case against you than against Abe Jenkins. He ain't. Didn't he have the watch and ring? Didn't he have other things? According to your own story, Barney, you was here after Abe Jenkins left. You could easily have stole the watch and ring and put him in his house. When could I have done it? After you got in there with me last night. Reckon we'll take you to the calaboose. We'll jail both you and Jenkins till we find out a few more facts. Just one minute. Hey, hey that's the mask man. I have something to say. Don't any of you make a move. Well, look at them two guns. And there's an engine with him. Where'd you come from? Maybe them two killed Jim Murdoch. Maybe they didn't. Go on, stranger. Speak up. I've been waiting for you. Money, there's just one man who can prove you are not guilty of murder. Who's that? I'm that man. You? I'll do it on one condition. Well, name it. Just name it, that's all. That you tell the truth and the whole truth. About what? Who are you, anyway? That's not important. You better do what he says, Barney, or you'll swing as sure as shooting. Tell the truth about last night. Uh, what do you mean? You and Murdoch planned to frame Abe Jenkins for a murder, didn't you? We, well, I... Murdoch didn't want Abe Jenkins to learn the truth about the gold mine. So the two of you plotted to get him out of the way. Yeah, but Isn't I... that the truth? I didn't have no part in it. It was all Murdoch scheming. You mean Murdoch's scheme to disappear and let you tell the story about Abe fighting with him so Abe would hang and be put out of the way? That's right. All I was to do was to tell you about the fight here. And to take the watch and ring and put them in the Jenkins home. Yes, but I didn't have no part in the murder. And why did Murdoch want Jenkins out of the way? He, he was afeard that someday Jenkins might learn that I'd made a survey of the gold mine and told Murdoch that half was no good. And it was on the strength of that that Murdoch split the claim and gave Abe the worthless part? Yes, yes, that, that's the honest uh, truth. Now you've got to keep your word. You've you got to prove that I ain't guilty of a murder. Me get color up now. You, you stand up. Murdoch ain't dead? No. He's roped and gagged. I didn't see that before. It was done in such a way you couldn't see it, Barney. But, but the sheriff. Sheriff, you knowed he weren't dead. So the deputies, they seen him close. Sure we knowed it. That masked man come to me last night and told how he'd seen Murdoch fixed on the ledge to look like a man fell over into the water down below. No gang cut loose. You, you squealer. Murdoch, I didn't know. It was your scheme in the first place. Shut up. Maybe you can save your hides by turning over what rightfully belongs to Abe Jenkins. You see, Barney, as I told Murdoch last night, the stone from the ledge fell down below and brought Tonto and me here. We saw what you were doing and told the sheriff everything. Yeah. And then during the ride here, I got a button from your vest and put it where it looked like I took it from the dead man's hand. Framed. As for that burned paper, the masked man put that in the fire. Oh, that masked man, he's the one that's done it all. Yep, he's the one. I reckon, Murdoch, the best way to catch a couple of rats to try to frame an innocent man for murder is to pull the same sort of tricks on them. Oh, don't take us to jail. Listen, I'll give Abe half my claim. Well, maybe Abe will settle for a half, and maybe he'll take it all. But whatever Abe wants, 
he's going to get. We're taking the news he's waiting to hear. Come on, Silver, old boy. We're riding to meet Tato at the railroad. The cattlemen are making trouble there, and we're going to see what's going on. Hello, Presents Wild Bill Hickok! Hi, you folks. Hold on your hats and pass those Kellogg sugar pops. Because here comes Guy Madison as Wild Bill Hickok and his pal Jingles, which is me, Andy Devine. We got another rootin' tootin' Wild Bill Hickok adventure story for you. From the cereal you can eat out of the bowl or out of the box, the cereal with the sweetening already on it, Kellogg's Sugar Pops! Today, Kellogg's Sugar Pops, the cereal with the sweetening already on it, brings you Wild Bill Hickok, transcribed in Hollywood and starring Guy Madison as Wild Bill and Andy Devine as his pal Jingles. In just 30 seconds, you'll hear the exciting story, Boot Hill Special. A package of Kellogg's Sugar Corn Pops sure comes in handy when you're sitting around listening to the radio or watching TV, or most any other time for that matter. Yes, sir, whenever you've a hankering for a sweet treat, that's the time to reach for your box of Sugar Corn Pops and pop a few of those ready-sweetened nuggets of corn into your mouth. They're swell for breakfast, too, with a little milk or cream. And you never need sugar, because the sweetening's already on them. They're shot with sugar. Kellogg's Sugar Corn Pops. It was two years after Wild Bill Hickok and his saddle partner Jingles left Hayes City to pick up the badges of the United States Marshal's office. Andrew Johnson was president and a man could buy a steak dinner for 50 cents if he could find a cafe in the dust-ridden emptiness of the West. Crossing the New Mexico border into Arizona, Wild Bill and Jingles rode straight into an adventure that was a rip-roaring Boot Hill Special. Strongbox. It's a setup for a night like this, Blue. Yeah, setup. Lige sitting in that rocking chair, a cripple, 
You going soft on me, Blue? I ain't got much stomach for killing old men and cripples. An hour back, you had plenty of stomach for half of old man White's money. That was before you shot him, Reigns. Ah, dry up. You didn't have to kill him. You hear me tell you to shut up, Blue? Robin's one thing, killing's another. You're edging me, Blue. We got the best little scheme anybody ever thought up. You ain't going to ruin it by going soft. Ah, going out on stormy nights, killing old men and cripples and taking their money, letting the storm cover our tracks. Shut up. We're coming to Lige Martin's place. Put on your mask and don't you make no slips. Or you'll be stretched out in this storm face up. But you won't be feeling the rain. Son, close up the strong box and put it away. Sure, Pa. We almost got enough to buy the Biddle place in the valley. Well, almost, Eddie. Another year, maybe two. If I had to use some of my legs, it'd be sooner. Now, nah, Pa, don't let that keep fretting you. I'm getting bigger every day and so... Pa, face up the window, wearing a mask. A mask? Quick, son. Hand me my gun and hide in the strong box. Here's your gun, Pa. But don't try shooting it out with nobody. You ain't... The box, boy. Oh, no, you don't. I'll take that strong box of young Maverick. You stay away from that boy, or I'll... You'll what? I'll show you. No, Pa, don't. Pa! Run with the box, son. I'm I'm all right. Come back here, you young varmint. Try and catch me, you thieving coyote. Hey, the kid's running out the back way. Hit him off. Head for the trees, Eddie. I'll be back to take care of you, but first I'm going to get that money. Blue! Blue, where are you? Where's the kid? Blue, bless your heart, where are you? Here I am, Reigns. Did you stop the kid? No, he got by me. I lost him. You bungling featherhead. Come on, we got to dig him out of these woods. Sure is dark. It's going to be hard to find. We'll find him, and when we do, I'm going to wring his neck. He got the money? Yeah, but he ain't going to have it long. Hey, them shots. Where'd they come from? I don't know. Somebody else is out in this storm besides us. Well, forget it. Let's get that kid and the money. That sounds like a signal. We better get out of here. Yeah, blast that young maverick. Come on, get to the horses. Who you reckon's riding around in this storm? How should I know? But it's a cinch. They'll never track us. Hit the saddle. You better run, you sneaking coyote. It's the kid. He was right there all the time. I got a mind. No. Now your horse is coming. Let's ride. Up on. Up. Yeah. Get up here. But we'll be back to get that money. Hello, Cabin Bill. Whoop, Jungaroo. Whoa, Buckaroo. Yeah, Jingles. Here's a young Buckaroo standing out in the rain like he had something on his mind. Steady that buckshot. Howdy, son. We thought we heard shots. Some horses running away. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. I ain't saying till I know who you are and why you come here. Oh, cagey, huh? He's a smart boy, Jingle. I'm Bill Hickok, son. This is Jingle. Wild Bill Hickok? Well, gee willikers, Wild Bill. I didn't mean to be smart, Alec. They were robbers. Shot up my pa. They was trying to get this money I got here. Robbers? I knew it, Bill. Come on, Sonny. Let's get in the house out of this doggone rain and you can tell us all about it. <laughs> Thank you. 
You know, Wranglers, seems like every time I get to talking about Kellogg's sugar corn pops, I start telling all you fellas and gals about how good tasting they are, and I plumb forget to tell you about how good for you they are, too. That's right, Wranglers, every average bowl full of sugar pops supplies the daily minimum adult requirements of sunshine vitamin D. And remember, you can enjoy Kellogg's sugar corn pops most any time. For breakfast, after school, or in the evening when you're sitting around listening to the radio. And whether you eat them out of a bowl with a little milk or cream or right out of the box, you don't need any sugar because the sweetening's already on them. They're shot with sugar. You try this rip-snortin' cereal and rootin' tootin' snack tomorrow. Look for the packages with Guy and Andy riding their horses full tilt with a word shot with sugar right on front. Kellogg's Sugar Corn Pops. Yippee! Sugar Pops. They're sugar-coated, taste so sweet. Just pour on some milk. Oh, boy, they're neat. Kellogg's Sugar Corn Pops. Sugar Pops are tops. Now sugar pops, you know, are sweet. But cowboys know there's an extra treat. Right out of the box, take a handful out. Pop them into your mouth as you run about. Kellogg's Sugar Corn Pops. Sugar Pops are tops. When Wild Bill and Jingles went inside the cabin with Eddie, they found Lige Martin with a shoulder wound. Bill listened to their story while he doctored Lige's injury. Uh, that's about all, Mr. Haycock. Except for Eddie's running outside with the money box. That took a lot of sand, Eddie. Well, I didn't do nothing but hide in the trees till you rode up, Wild Bill. You uh, said they were wearing masks. That's right, Jingles. One was at the window, and the other one comes storming through the door. Then you didn't get any idea about who they were. Well, all, all happened so fast, Bill. I, I wouldn't have known them if they were my next-door neighbors. Now, that's a good place to start. Uh, just who are your next-door neighbors? Might have a point there, Jingles. Sure, Bill. More than once we found something like this. Well, it's a sense those two gents knew you had money in the house, Mr. Martin. Well, uh, I don't necessarily hold, Marshal. Most anybody around here that's got any money's got it hid around the place. We got no banks nearer than 40 miles down the valley. They asked about neighbors, Pa. Yeah, I heard, son. Old, old man White's the nearest. He's six miles, I reckon, to the southwest. Uh, nearest on the other side are a pair of homesteading brothers in uh, name of Benton. They got a ragtaggled outfit up at the end of the draw to the east. Well, guess you'll be all right for a while, Lige. That bandage ought to hold. Yeah, Bill makes a right fine doctor in a pinch. Thank you, gents. Sure glad you rode up when you did. Uh, so are we. Now you take care of your pa, Eddie. I will, Mr. Hickok. We sure are beholden to you, pa and me. Uh, Bill, you mentioning neighbors set me to thinking that... About what, Lines? You figure it was one of them that was night riding in those masks? No. Oh, Jingles, I was thinking more of old man White. He's living alone on his place, and folks say that he's got a bit of money. What are you getting at, Lines? I got you, Lines. We'll go down there first to see if these night raiders paid him a visit. Come on, Jingles. We've got country to cover. Yeah, it's a doggone wet country right now, too. We couldn't track a runaway freight wagon in this weather, Bill. Well, we 
Ain't getting much sleep tonight, Bill, but at least it's quit raining. Yeah, and a good thing, too, Jingles. Gives us the stars for guide. You've been going by them, Bill? I was checking the moss on those tree trunks. He's at about six miles to White's place. We're headed right. It can't be far now. We going up to check on the Benton brothers when we leave White's? Thought we might. Hold it, Jingles. Whoa, Buckshot. Whoa, whoa Joker. Whoa. What is it, Bill? Thought I heard something. Quiet. Well, I don't hear nothing but tree frogs and a cowbell and my own heart pumping because you're trying to scare the socks off of me. That's it, partner. That cowbell. Listen. Bill Hickok, you could take a baby crying and build a whole darn mystery around it. What's so unusual about hearing a cowbell? This is cow country, you know. No cows ringing that bell, partner. I want to know why. Head fort and ride. Hi, Buckshot. Hi. Jump, Joker. Bill's gone plumb local. Now, who'd be ringing a cowbell besides a cow? Doggone it. There's the house, partner. Bill, that cowbell sounds like it's coming from the inside of the house. That's what I thought. Well, I shot who? Oh, Joker, who? Now, doggone it, what's he keeping a cow inside for? Save your breath, Jingles. There's something wrong here. Hey, look, the door's half open. Please be somebody heard me ringing that bell. Bill, the old man, he, he shot. Yeah, bad, too. Come on, let's take a look, old-timer. He shot me and left me for dead, boys. I mean, I ain't one to kick off so easy there, son. You ain't working on a goat, you know. Sorry, Mr. White. This might hurt some. How bad is he, Bill? Not sure, Jingles. Mm, not as bad as these varmints thought I was going to be, that's for sure. Give me that pitcher of water off the washstand, Jingles. Jingles. <laughs> now, if that ain't a name for a man stacked up like you be. Well, it gets me by, old-timer. Grit your teeth, Mr. White. Ain't got no teeth left to grit, mister. You just get on with what you're doing. Sounds like I got the slug, all right. Yeah. Most of my sand with it, I reckon. All right, Jingles. You can wash it up and put a bandage on. Get a couple of clean flour sacks on the shelf there. No, I got them. Now you just stay still. I ain't apt to be as gentle as Bill Hickok. He's had more practice. Hickok? Well, Bill Hickok... Well, dust off my heart. I should have knowed you by your picture. Who shot you, old-timer? I ain't sure. You got any idea? I ain't sure, Sid. Now, doggone it, don't get stubborn with Bill, old-timer. You're the second one that's got shot tonight. Blasted storm riders. Who else did plug? Lodge Martin. Yeah, cripple. I'll get him. They kill Lodge. Nope. Must have been bad shots. He missed twice tonight. It might take me a spell, but I'll get him. You might help us instead, Mr. White. That is, if you have any real good ideas. We ain't sure. Dad gummit, you said that before. Now you better tell us who shot you if you got any idea. Easy, Jingles. But this ain't no time for him to get mule-headed, Bill. Did they take any money from you, Mr. White? All I had, Hickok. Near $800 in gold notes. <laughs> now, what's so doggone funny? Well, I got stuck with some counterfeit ones. Three $20 yellowbacks. <laughs> you funny if they tried to pass them. Takes a good man to laugh at a time like this, Jingle. Yeah. Old family, you got plenty of sand left. Now, I'm going to lift you up on your bed. 
If you ain't got no teeth, why just grit your gum. Good work, Dingle. Yeah, I ain't been handled so gently since I was crib size. That's Thank all. you. That's all right, old timer. Now, Jingles, rustle up some grub real fast. We got a full night's work ahead of us. But the nights have gone, Bill. That's what I mean, partner. Make it fast. Wolf howling gives me the creeps, Bill. Yeah, he's bang at the moon, Jingles. Well, he's gonna have to hurry. That moon ain't gonna be out long. There's a big black cloud coming. Think it'll rain again, Jingles? It's a cinch, too. How long from now? Well, I ain't much for guessing the weather, but I'll give it two hours to a full-size cloudburst. Then this might work out better than I thought. Well, I sure wish I knew what we were gonna do up here at the Benton Brothers' cabin. Pay him a visit, Jingles. Yeah, but are you going up to arrest him for being owl hoots or warn him about some night rider? Or just what? We'll play it the way we find it, partner. All right, there it is. And the way I find it calls for this. Hey, maybe a lot of you wranglers sometimes get to thinking about what you'd like to be when you grow up. Well, one thing you want to keep in mind is that whatever you want to be, make sure it's something you'll enjoy doing. That's real important. And that's important, too, when you select a breakfast cereal for yourself. That's why I'm always telling all you wranglers about how good Kellogg's sugar corn pops are. But you find out for yourself. You can have them for breakfast or eat them as a snack right out of the box. And you never add sugar because the sweetening's already on them. They're shot with sugar. So have Mom pick up a large package of Kellogg's sugar corn pops when she shops. She can tell the right package if she remembers to look for Guy and Andy riding their horses across the front with the words, shot with sugar, nearby. Kellogg's sugar corn pops. Yippee! Sugar pops. They're sugar-coated, tastes so sweet. Just pour on some milk. Oh, boy, they're neat. Kellogg's sugar corn pops. Sugar pops are tops. Now sugar pops, you know, are sweet. But cowboys know there's an extra treat. Right out of the box, take a handful out. Pop them into your mouth as you run about. Kellogg's sugar corn pops. Sugar pops are tops. When shots rang out from the Benton brothers' cabin ahead of them, Jingles cut loose with his six-gun, ready for a showdown fight. But Bill had other ideas. Most of those six-guns, Jingles, they don't know who we are. That's downright unsociable me be shooting at us that way. Get out of the cabin! Hold your fire! I'm a United States Marshal. My deputy's with me. Rage! It's a law. It's more than that, you trigger-happy hooligans. It's Wild Bill Hickok and Jingle. Hickok? What do you want with us? Just want to pass on a warning to you, Bentons. Come right on up, Marshal. Now get on up there, Joker. Come on, Buckshot. Sorry we took a shot at you, Hickok, but the storm got us a little jumpy, I guess. You scared of storms, mister? Well, not exactly, but... We've got wind of some rumors about two owl hoots that ride around robbing people during a storm. Yeah. 
You see, Jingles and I were just coming up to warn you about those two night riders. We were? Oh, yeah, yeah, we were. Well, seeing's how you know about it, guess we'll be getting back to Lige Martin and get a doctor from the valley. Lige Martin? Yeah, neighbor of yours. Got himself shot up tonight by them two night riders you was talking about. He's not dead, though, but he's hurt pretty badly. He tell you who it was that shot him? Not yet. Young Eddie thinks his dad knows all right. If we can get a doctor to him, we might find out. You think so, huh? Yep. You watch yourselves. Jingle says there's another storm coming up. All right, let's get back, Jingle. Well, we can take care of ourselves, Marshal, but thank you for coming up to warn me. If you hadn't, things might have been a lot worse. Get around that back, John. Oh, boy! Jim Joker, Bill's got something on his mind. Range, shoot him in the back, quick. It was them that ran us off from Lies Martin's place. Shoot him. You think I'm crazy? If I'd known who it was, I'd never shot at them in the first place. Yeah? Well, just what are we gonna do now? Finish the job we started. If them two lawmen are headed for the valley, it'll take them four or five hours to get back with the doctor. Yeah? What do you figure we're gonna do in that time? Look at that cloud, Blue. It's gonna rain like $700 in an hour, and that's just about the time we'll be heading away from Lige Martin's with all his money, and we'll keep right on going. <laughs> See who's writing up, son. If it's them robbers come back, I've got my rifle ready. Don't shoot with nobody else, Pa. Give them the money. I don't want you to get shot no more. See who it is, boy. Yes, Pa. Well, howdy, Eddie. How's your Pa? Hey, Pa, it's Wild Bill and Jingles. Come back. Oh, that's fine. Invite him in. Sure. Come on in, gents. Thank you, Eddie. Well, Lodge, how's the shoulder? Oh, I reckon it'll be all right, Bill. I'm glad to see you back. Well, maybe you won't be when you hear what Bill's got up his sleeve. What is it, Wild Bill? A trick? In a way, Eddie. I'd like to set a trap for those robbers. I want to use you and your dad as bait. We're game for anything, ain't we, Pa? <laughs> sure, Eddie. You name it, Bill. Yeah, name it quick, Bill. Here comes that storm right on time. You just sit tight here in the room like you are. Jingles and I will be hidden outside. You think they're coming back or what? They didn't get our money, son. They'll be back. Then I'll get my rifle. They won't get you this time, Paul. Now, you leave that to us, Eddie. Come on, Jingles, outside. Bill, in the light. I thought I saw him coming. Hide the horses, quick. Come on, Joker. I'll put you and Buckshot back in the trees. There they are. Jingles was right. Bill, did you see him then? Yeah. You better take the other corner. Sure, Bill. Then we'll have them surrounded. Whoa! You don't need to wait outside this time, Blue. We know Hickok's out of the way with his deputy, and Lige is as good as done for. Yeah, we'll just walk right on in and... You're not walking anyplace, gents. Hold it right there. Blue, Hickok. Blast you! That's liable to be the last shot you'll throw at anybody, you varmints. You just think so, big boy. Break for the horses, Blue. No, you don't, Buster. No, you're either, mister. Time's oh. run out for you, Benton Brothers. Yeah. Both of them. Did you get a Wild Bill? <laughs> he sure did, Eddie. There they are, just like two lizards crawling and squirming in the mud. Get those saddlebags off the horses and take them inside, Jingles. Old man White's money's still missing. All right, you two. Get up from there with your hands on your heads. Move, I said. Reach I got the saddlebags, Bill. And they got money in them, too. Good. You hold the door open, Eddie. Get inside, Benton. 
I should have shot you in the back when I had the chance, Hickok. Yeah, I guess you should have. You're not getting any more chances. Hey, Light. These the men? Yeah, that's them, Jingles. I'd know them now with or without their masks. You said he was out of his head. He wasn't talking. <laughs> and you fell for it. Hook, line, and sinker. Bill, here's the three counterfeit yellowbacks, so they're the ones that shot old man White, too. Looks like the judge will have enough to go on, Jingles. He sure will, Bill. With all we've got for him on these Gila monsters, he can write a book and then throw it at them. <laughs> And now, here are the stars of Wild Bill Hickok, Guy Madison and Andy Devine. Well, that's our Wild Bill Hickok story for today, folks. Andy, what comes next? We'll be back Friday with six guns smoking as we ride into a hail of bullets in the blizzard. So long, kids. See you Friday. Open your mouth and shut your eyes. In Kellogg's Variety Pack, there's a grand surprise. Yes, with Variety Pack, you get all your favorite Kellogg cereals, ten generous servings, each individually packaged, fresh to you. You can take your pick of Kellogg's Corn Flakes, Rice Krispies, Kellogg's Raisin Bran, Sugar Frosted Flakes, and many other kinds. Open your mouth and shut your eyes. When you choose from Kellogg's Variety Pack, you'll get a grand surprise. Get Kellogg's Variety Pack today. Cereals has brought you another exciting story of Wild Bill Hickok, starring Guy Madison and Andy Devine in person. Today's cast included Barney Phillips, Clayton Post, Forrest Lewis, Jeff Silver, and Jack Moyles. Our director is Paul Pierce, story by Larry Hayes, music by Dick Arant. This is a David Heyer production, transcribed in Hollywood. Now, this is Charlie Lyon, Speaking for Kellogg's, the greatest name in cereals. Reminding you to listen again on Friday, same time, same station, for another adventure of... Wild Bill Hickok! Captain Lee Quince. 
specially transcribed tales of the dark and tragic ground of the wild frontier, the saga of fighting men who rode the rim of empire, and the dramatic story of Lee Quince, Captain of Cavalry. This is as far as we go, mister. That's your line, the creek ahead. You can water your stock there. We'll wait for that and head back. Fair enough. Oh, now. Oh. Slow it down back there. We're stopping a spell. End of the line for us, Captain? That's what the orders say, Sergeant. Yes, sir. Tell the men to dismount and unsaddle, pin graze and water. Uh, take your mount, Captain. <clears throat> yeah, thanks. I want to talk to the driver. Well, you've seen him then, up on the rim. Yeah, they're keeping their distance. Ain't every wagon train pushing west gets two escorts, cavalry and engines. <laughs> yeah, of course. I'll tell him. Dismount, unsaddle, pin graze and water. Dismount and unsaddle. Be water. Come on now. Mind your stock don't take on water too fast. You're planning to stick to the Oregon Trail, driver? I'd be a plain fool if I didn't. With them engines staring me down from the top of the canyon. Oh, I don't think they'll bother you. They're not hungry. We butchered some beef on the agency for them last week. Can't see we'd look too good to them. Kind of mangy-looking outfit, ain't we? Oh, I've seen worse. You're all right, so long as you don't get any ideas about the old Bozeman Trail. Well, that's closed now, ain't it? Yeah, by treaty. That's what's bothering our friends up there on the rim. They think we aim to cut up to Montana country? Some of the wagons try it. Lots of gold up there, ain't they, Captain? Yep, and lots of Sioux and lots of Arapaho. It's all Indian country. Bozeman Trail's closed. Forts and posts are abandoned. I tell you the truth, Captain. I kind of had my heart set and fanning myself a fortune or two. You wouldn't get to the first turn in that trail. Nope, I wouldn't. I know I wouldn't. Well, had my heart set in my own plot of ground in Oregon, too. <laughs> sure, you'll live longer. You uh, going up there to the rim, Captain? Talk to them engines? What for? Tell them to leave us be. That's reservation land they're on. They'll leave you be. Long as you set straight along the Oregon Trail. They haven't bothered a wagon train since the treaty. Well, I can wait till I settle in Oregon. Then maybe drop down to the motherload country. If I want gold bad enough. Yeah, if you want it bad enough. You, uh... You don't have it, do you, Captain? Have it? The itch. The fever that sets on a man makes him want to find gold more than anything. Uh, that kind of fever can get you killed, mister. Yes, sir. I bet it can. Well, don't you worry yourself about me, Captain. Me and this little wagon train are staying right smack on the Oregon Trail. Good. Oh, uh, I'd watch my stock if I were you. There's alkali in these streams through here. Won't kill them, but too much will make them sick. 
I'll keep an eye on him. Well, good luck to you, mister. Well, thanks kindly, Captain. We're sure much obliged you rode this far with us. It's all right. We'll uh, watch you out of sight. I'd like that. Yeah, that's if you get a move on. You're wasting daylight at this rate. Valuable stuff out here, mister. Kind of like gold, Captain? Yeah, kind of like gold. The Indians made no move to follow the train? No, they left the rim of the canyon a little before we did. You can't be sure they didn't ride on ahead to intercept the train when it was out of your sight. They weren't headed that way, but I can't be sure. I keep feeling like we're sitting on a powder keg, Lee. Slightest little jar will blow up to a full-scale war. It's got me edgy. You got company. You? Yep, Red Cloud. Why do you think those Indians were lining the rim of that canyon? I guess they can't believe it either. It's not much of a peace, Captain, if we spend all our time watching them, just to find out they're watching back. Well, Major... Beats killing each other. You uh, like Red Cloud, don't you, Lee? Yeah, I like him. Do you trust him? He signed the treaty. Hasn't broken it yet. Then you do trust him. I don't think he'll be the one to break the treaty, if that's what you mean. You think we will, is that it? No, not we. But I saw something in that wagon train driver that breaks treaties. He called it a itch, a fever. Fever for gold. You told me you warned him about going up the old Bozeman trail. Yeah, I warned him. I don't think he'll try it. But if he doesn't, someone with a fever will. If not the Bozeman, then they'll break new trails up into the Bighorn Range, over into Black Hills. That's all Indian territory. We've both read the treaty, Major. And Red Cloud signed it. So did we. Now, what do we have to do? Read it to every wagon train that stops at Fort Laramie? You ask me if I trusted Red Cloud. I trust him till the next white man goes into Indian country looking for gold. Yeah, I suppose you're right. He got what he wanted. Powder River country, Black Hills for hunting grounds. That covers everything to the north and east of us. And we better stay out of it. Mm, Tell that to the men with the gold fever. I do, when I see him. Lee... If you were sitting in my chair, what would you do if you had to translate this problem to Washington? I'd desert. No, you wouldn't. You'd have a plan. What would it be? About white men going into Indian country? We can't protect them. We'll have to try to keep them from going in. That's what I want to know. Can we stop them? We can try. Maybe with official orders we can keep them from going in in numbers. If we catch them, lock them up as treaty violators. And if they persist... For provoking an act of war, I'd shoot him. I said you'd have a plan. All right. I'd start by redoubling our patrols all along the North Platte. We don't have the manpower. Let the infantry secure the garrison. I'll take a patrol out right now. Oh, you just got back. You're tired. I'm not tired. All right, the men are tired. I got another plan. What's that? I need a drink. Why don't you go on over, Captain? Maybe I'll join you later. (laughs) Yes, sir, Major. Mm -hmm. 
Wiley. I didn't know you were back. Uh, got back last night, Willa. You, um, you the barmaid here now? <laughs> Dad's waiting on some trade in the store. Here. Help yourself. <laughs> Did I say I wanted a drink? If you'd come to see me, you'd have come last night. It was... Uh, <laughs> it was late last night. That sounded a lot like an explanation, Lee. I guess I thought you wanted one. When you see me, it's because you want to see me. That's a good thing to know. <laughs> yeah, maybe it is. Are you finished with this? What's the matter? Are you running out of whiskey? Almost. Oh, not Pliny. He doesn't run out. Not when he can still get his price. Oh, it isn't that. It's those men with him. What about him? What they're not drinking here, they're taking with them. Huh? Where are they going? I don't know. But wherever it is, they must expect to stay a long time. Isn't ten gallons of whiskey an awful lot, Lee? <laughs> a couple of drinks of this whiskey is an awful lot. Say, uh, Willa, you recollect that last shipment of boots we got in? I thought we put them in stock, but I cannot lay my hands on them. Aren't you going to speak to Lee, Dad? Mm -hmm. He can't see me, Willa, for the dollar signs in his eyes. Oh, well, good afternoon to you, Captain. I, uh, his glass is empty, Willa. You offering me a drink on the house, Pliny? On the house? Oh, oh, oh well, I just uh, naturally suppose you were buying your drinks, Captain. Dad. <laughs> of course, credit is available for an old friend like you, Captain. I trust you. <laughs> That's your idea of a compliment, Pliny? Oh, boots. That was it, wasn't it? Of course, boots. I came back here to ask about the boots. I don't know how you could miss them. They're right next to the cash box. Oh, my goodness, yes. Of course, they must be there then. So you go right ahead, Captain. Just buy yourself another drink. I don't know what to do about him. Except love him. In spite of himself. <laughs> well, you'll never be poor, Willem. And dowries are still in style, Lee. Yeah. Maybe I ask for that. Are you going to have that other drink? Uh, no, thanks. This one is on the house. Oh, you don't want to break his heart, do you, Willa? <laughs> no, well, I've had enough. I'll, uh... I'll see you, huh? Yeah, sure, Lee. Uh, sure. <laughs> hey, you, soldier. Hey, you. You talking to me, mister? I, uh, called you soldier, didn't I? Is this a friend of yours, Pliny? Well, he is uh, spending quite a lot of money, Captain. Yeah, and I aim to spend a lot more. Maybe with you, soldier boy. I got nothing to sell, mister. Well, you could, uh, might give him uh, some information, couldn't you, Captain? He's such a good customer. You want to quit bobbing around in front of me? No, no, no offense, no. Not the slightest bit of offense, excuse me. That's better. You want a drink, soldier? I'm in a hurry, mister. You must know this country pretty good. I'm looking for horses. Good ones. You're new here. New as today. Most of the settlers around here have horses. I said good horses. I seen the crow bait they pass off for horses over in Laramie Village. I mean good ones. Strong. Take a lot of riding. That's what I want. Mm-hmm. How many? Oh, four, say. Well, the Suter Ranch is about your best bet. It's a good day's ride from here. 
Which way? West. Due west. You can see the ranch house from the Oregon Trail. I ain't heading west. Then south, near Cheyenne. I ain't heading south. I can't help you, mister. You're not trying too hard, are you, soldier? Hard enough. Plenty. You'd better get your cash customer out of my way. Uh, now, please, uh, gentlemen, now, no, no roughhousing. This is a respectful place of business, you know. No. I told you, quit bobbing in here ever so often. I, I only meant to help. You got any more shoving around you want to do, mister? Yeah. Kind of forgot my manners, uh... Reckon you'd speak your piece better you got paid for it. What are you trying to buy? A crack skull? All right, all right. I picked the wrong soldier. What's he so sore about? Well, he just misunderstood you now. Here, I'll help you pick up your money. Set next to you, soldier. Help yourself. You get used to the food in time, do you? You eating free, ain't you? It's free enough. You look like a smart man, soldier. I ain't. I hear better. You been talking to somebody dumber than me, then? Pliny, a subtler. He put you next to the free meal here in the barracks? That'd be Pliny. Him and me, we're dumb in different ways. He says you know all there is to know about horses. I've ridden him, eaten a few. That's all there is to know about him. Where are the best horses around here, soldier? Up in the cavalry stables. I'd like to lay my hands on four good ones. Well, now, you could try, but you might get yourself shot in trying. I'm talking about buying horses, not stealing them. I don't think the cavalry's got any horses for sale, mister. Are you trying to understand me, soldier? I'm trying harder to eat. How much money you make a month? Wearing those three stripes of yours. Now that just plain took my appetite. A regular soldier makes 50 cents a day. I figure those stripes give you a bit more. You want to raise my pay, is that it? I want four good horses. You get them for me. I'll see you get better in a raise. You just, uh, passing through, are you, mister? That's all. Don't worry about the money. I got it. What are you figuring on using horses for? Riding? Four horses for riding. There's two of us. And it's hard riding. You won't get the money just asking questions, soldier. I guess I'd have to see that money. We're gonna do business, are we? You got a right price, we'll do business. 
this place, you'd get the horses. It'd be near the fort. Near enough. Ranch. If I told you about it, you wouldn't need me. I wouldn't collect that money you're talking about. <laughs> you're not dumb, soldier. You're not dumb a bit. Look here. Well, you've seen the money. Well, now, that ain't all money, mister. How do you mean? Some of them pouches, they just don't bulge right for silver. You see real good, don't you? Anybody tell you there's an assay office over in Laramie Village? They might have, if I'd asked. You want some advice, mister? I want some horses. You better not be finding gold in Indian country. There's a treaty now that says you can't go in there. Is that a fact? Listen, of course, you got permission from the engines. Soldier, I got ten gallons of whiskey. That's a lot of permission. Providing I wanted it. Now then, uh, I took your advice. You gonna take my money? I'd a lot sooner take you, mister. You going along with me, or ain't you? I'm going with you, all the way. Hey, what's the idea? You just got yourself a military escort, mister, clean through the main gate of Fort Laramie. Well, Gorse, how'd you keep from roughing him up? Same way you did, I guess. Pliny and Miss Willis said you went plumb white keeping from hurting him. Yep. One of us should have busted him. He might have stuck around to prefer charges. Not this one. He didn't want any trouble, just horses. If I had my way, I'd have stuffed him in the stockade last night instead of throwing him off the post. Major says you can't hold a man for what you think he's going to do. You told him about it, then. Mm hmm Last night, after you told me... That was gold in them pouches, sure as anything. I didn't have to look inside. Yeah, sure it was gold. And it was picks and shovels and pans he bought at the sutler's. I got that much out of Pliny last night. You know, forgetting the whiskey. I'm not forgetting. Like he's not, he's got the horses by now, too. We can't stop him from getting horses, Sergeant. We just don't have to help him. You were... You were smart to hear him out. I, I should have been a little smarter. He'd stand to talk freer to me, seeing I'd have more need of money. I had to throw him out before he worked his way any further down the wage scale. Yeah, I knew a trooper once, deserted, sold his mount, saddle, everything up to his kerchief for $100. The best part of a year's pay. You think the Major will stand still for us taking off after him? Mr. Seibertz brings his patrol in tomorrow night. We're not going anywhere until he's back. That sounds like an order. Hey, Major Daggett's. Can't prove anything going after him, Gorse. Cavalry patrol, maybe it'd scare him off a little. Oh, man, that stupid doesn't scare He'd rather be scalped than be poor. If he goes in, we can all get scalped, trying to save his lousy hide. Sure like a better excuse to fight a war. We all would, Sergeant. Right about there, sir. 
They were following Rawhide Creek, moving north. How many men, Mr. Savage? Two men. Uh, four horses, four mules. I couldn't tell enough through the glasses to describe what they looked like. I know what one of them looked like. We can't be sure of that, Captain. Mr. Sybert, you say you fired a signal at them. Can you be sure they heard it? They heard it, sir. I never took the glasses off them. And when we fired, they, they stopped and looked at us. The whole patrol made signs for them to come back. You think they saw you? Understood your signs? I know they saw us. One of them had field glasses, too. Kept them trained right on us as they started moving north again. Huh. Is that all, Lieutenant? That completes your report? That's all, sir. E except... Well, I wish I could have stopped them from going in, sir. Well, you did all you could, Mr. Sabitz. Thank you, Captain. Every bit you could, Lieutenant. Now go on, get some rest. That's an order. Yes, sir. Major, sir? Captain, sir? All right, Captain. What would you have done in his place? Exactly as he did. Glad to hear that. But now you want to go after the prospectors. I want permission to go to Red Cloud. To keep him from being killed? To keep a war from starting. The man I saw knows his chances. Everybody warned him. I got no feeling for him. Uh, I want to think about it, Captain. While you're thinking, a runner could be on his way to Red Cloud. I'm aware of that. And while you're thinking, Red Cloud could be on his way here, in paint and war bonnets. If he is, a runner wouldn't stop him. He might. I'd say that's a chance we've got to take. The only chance we have got. If the runner gets through and Red Cloud agrees to powwow with you, what then? I'll ask him to let us find the prospectors and deal with them our way. And if he's found them first? I'll take their bodies off his hands. How many men do you want, Captain? Sergeant Gorse. Just one man? I want to stop a war, Major, and not start one. Red Cloud's not likely to consent to a full company. The runner will leave the post in an hour. When can you and Sergeant Gorse leave? Tell your runner we'll try hard not to get ahead of him. That's Black Hills country ahead, ain't it, Captain? Yeah, if you can see it, over the war bonnets. Red Cloud's not taking any chances. Would you, Gorse? No, sir, I wouldn't. I just keep hoping they're getting an eyeful of this white flag I'm toting. And there in the hills, they got the best view. We just keep riding in? Yeah, as far as the stream. We'll drop our gun belts when we get there. And wait for Red Cloud. Yes, sir. I guess if I'm going to die in the cavalry, I'd just soon do it with you as anybody, Captain. <laughs> you could be back at Fort Laramie, getting rich, selling horses to prospectors. The air is cleaner out here, as long as it lasts. Hmm. <clears throat> 
The um, gun belt, Gores? Oh. How could I forget a little matter like that, I suppose? Hmm. Cloud, all right. Two braves with him. Another couple hundred in the hills. Maybe a thousand as long as they stay up there. You honor our flag, Red Cloud. We thank you. Where is honor in white man for treaty boundaries? It comes slow to some white men. I came to ask your patience, Red Cloud. Patience stretches. In time, like an old hide, it breaks and is no more. Since we smoked the pipe, we've handed over your renegades to let your people deal with them. Bring white men here. You will deal with them... How? They're alive? I did not come here to deliver dead men. Then they'll be put in the stockade and kept there. You have been our friend. Tell your people Red Cloud will not powwow again. Next time, warriors not stay in hills. Next time, white men... Dead, white men. I'll tell them, Red Cloud. I hope they listen. Fort Laramie is produced and directed by Norman MacDonald and stars Raymond Burr as Lee Quince, Captain of Cavalry, with Vic Perrin as Sergeant Gorse. The script was specially written for Fort Laramie by Kathleen Height, with sound patterns by Bill James and Ray Kemper, musical supervision by Amerigo Marino. Featured in the cast were Jack Moyles and Harry Bartell, with Frank Gersel, Clayton Post, Howard McNear, Virginia Gregg, and Ralph Moody. Company tension. Dismiss. Next week, another transcribed story of the Northwest Frontier and the troopers who fought under Lee Quince, Captain of Cavalry. Romance of the Ranchos. Los Angeles, 1850. College founded at Lugo Townhouse. Bell, 1856. Cattle boom brings sudden wealth to rancheros. 
Bell, 1927. Firestone Tire and Rubber Company builds huge plants. The Title Insurance and Trust Company of Los Angeles presents The Romance of the Ranchos, a weekly dramatization of the historic events which form the colorful background for our Southern California of today. Each week, our wandering vaquero, Frank Graham, narrates another fascinating chapter of romance and adventure. And tonight's story is indeed a fascinating one because of the fact that it deals with the land on which are now located the communities of Bell, Huntington Park, Vernon, Walnut Park, Southgate, Linwood, and East Los Angeles. We extend a special greeting to the residents of those communities. But the story is so exciting and romantic, and it had such an important bearing on the development of the entire Southland that it will be of equal interest to all of you listening wherever you live. Title Insurance and Trust Company of Los Angeles is happy to present it for your enjoyment. And here is our wandering vaquero, Frank Graham, to spin the story. Buenas noches, senoras y señores. Tonight, our magic carpet of radio takes us back through the years to visit one of the greatest of the ranchos, one of the most aristocratic of the dones the Rancho San Antonio of Don Antonio Maria Lugo. It is a story steeped in the romance of the ranchos. The story of the illustrious family of the Lugos starts in 1769, when, among the first Spanish settlers to come to California, Jose Maria Lugo landed and settled at Santa Barbara. A few years later, in 1775, a son was born, a son who was to become one of the patriarchs of California, Don Antonio Maria Lugo. Like most other Spanish gentlemen of his generation, he served as a soldier in the armies of the King of Spain. And in that capacity, he came to Los Angeles in 1803. There one day, he made a chance and come. So you have decided to stay here, eh, Don Antonio? See, si, I think so. It is more pleasant to live. See, the climate is nice, and but some of these soldados have received grants of land around here. That is fine. Perhaps I too can manage one. Ah, not for me. <laughs> I would rather be at San Diego. There is more to do, more life. Look at this sleepy little pueblo. Just look at it. Here we are in the main plaza, and what do you see? A few houses, a church, a merchant or two. Da. Not for me. <laughs> is that all you see? Eh, of course. And you are blind, senor. Look, huh? crossing the street, on our way to church, no doubt. Just the senorita, like any other senorita. Oh, now I know you're blind. She's beautiful. Mm, she beautiful, perhaps, but not very resourceful. She seems to be stranded in the middle of the street. Oh, see, there is a great puddle of mud for her to cross. See, you are right. Perhaps we should... We, senor. But to you, she's just like any other senorita. Oh, no, 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 senor. You shall wait here. This is my honor. <laughs> Hasta la vista. <laughs> Good luck, mi amigo. Adios. Ah, pardon, senorita. Uh, may I assist you? Certainly not, senor. 
I can manage quite well myself. But I protest. Allow me to take your hand. Senor, I do not know you. Oh, senorita, that is my bad fortune. One that I shall try to remedy at the earliest opportunity. And uh, why not now? Senor, please, go away. I do not speak to senors to whom I have not been formally introduced. Go away and leave you hopping about in the mud? I can manage quite well. Oh! Be careful, senorita. Senor, how dare you? Take your hands away. But you would have fallen in the mud if I had not caught you. Never mind, I... Here, here, stop this quibbling. I shall take you up oh, like this. Senor, stop! Carry you across the puddle oh. like this. Oh, senor, no! And deposit you oh. safely on the other side like this. Senor, you are bold. A soldado must be bold, senorita. In love as in war. Love, senor? You are more than bold. Oh, a figure of speech only. But uh, I could not stand idly by and see a beautiful young lady in such distress. Oh, you must not say such things, senor. But you are beautiful. I will not listen to you. Hmm. Am I so unattractive as that? No, you are not unattractive, senor. But it is not proper. I do not even know you. Then you shall, right now. Senorita, lovely flower of the desert, allow me to introduce El Senor Don Antonio Maria Lugo, your admiring servant. Buenos dias, Senor Don Antonio Maria Lugo. And you, Senorita? You shall have to find that out elsewhere, my hero of the mud puddle. Hasta la vista. But, Senorita, wait. If you find out, you may ask my father if you may call. Hasta la vista, Senor. But, but Senorita... <laughs> you may be sure I will. Oh, very sure. And Don Antonio did call on Margarita Ruiz. In fact, he called often. And they were married within the year. Soon after, the young husband built his first home at a place called Sao Qual, or the Elders, which is the present site of Bell Station. But he didn't give up the dream of owning a great rancho. And seven years later, he was successful in his petition to the governor for a grant of land. Over 29,000 acres were provisionally given him, and the Rancho San Antonio was started. On this great domain, life progressed peacefully and quietly. Rancho San Antonio became one of the great haciendas of Spanish and Mexican days, noted for its great herds, its fast horses, its magnificent hospitality. And Don Antonio attained the eminence of a patriarch as the years went on. Among other honors, he served as juez de compo, or judge of the plains, which was the ultimate authority for all disputes in that simple and peaceful era. The judge of the plains was a justice of the peace on horseback, the on-the-spot arbiter of every quarrel. Often, Don Antonio was called to an outlying rancho. Uh, Don Antonio, I'm glad you've come. There are several matters for you to set. See? Si? Well, let us hear the first, then, and we shall see what can be done. Very well. First, there is the question of Don Ramon's calves. Already the calves Don Ramon found on his land. See, that is better. They are not his calves, but mine. And how do you know that, senor? If they were found on Don Ramon's land, then the Orejanos belong to him. But, senor, those Orejanos were following the Madres. See, it, it was plain to see. I have witnesses that they were the calves of cows which carried my brand. Oh, so... Is this true, senor? See, si, it is, Don Antonio. Very well, that makes a great difference. Even in dumb animals, the tie of blood must be respected, senores. We can suppose that these calves should not have strayed onto the land of Don Ramon had not their madres done so. 
Therefore, I rule that the calves do not belong to Don Ramon, but to this senor here. Gracias. Gracias, Your Honor. Now, what else is there? A question of the cattle thieves who have stolen 200 head of cattle from the rancheros in the valley. We have found out that the leader of the band is the Indian Joaquin. See, si, I have heard of him. You have proof of this, senor? See, si, one of my vaqueros, Pedro, saw and recognized him. Very well. I order the capture of this Joaquin on the charge of cattle stealing. I shall instruct a posse to attempt his capture at once. See, si. that is fine. Uh, and now, Your Honor. See, si. what else? A dispute over one cow, senor. It is an unbranded Oreano, which senor Ortega and I discovered. He was standing on the line between our two ranchos, half in his, half in mine. And uh, you both claim the creature? See, si, but my claim is the more worthy, Your Honor, for the cow stood with its head over my land. Ah! <laughs> and uh, what does Senor Ortega claim? That since the head is useless for hide, the part which was the, the greater value was on his land. Perhaps you should cut the cow in half, eh, Senore? <laughs> what are we to do? Where is the cow now? I do not know. While we were arguing about it, the Orejano wandered away and became lost in the brush. But we shall find it, Your Honor, for we marked its flank with a great cross of white. Hey, a great cross of white, you say? See, si, on the flank. But, Senores, that is the cow which wandered into my garden and began trampling my corn. It is? Si. Then it is found. You shall return it, Senor? Oh, I fear that will be impossible, Senor. Eh? Why impossible? Uh, uh, pardon, I am sorry, but you see, I ate it. I... <laughs> The pleasant, peaceful life of the ranchos went its even course for years. Then suddenly, California found itself the object of covetous glances from several different nations, including the United States. And presently, before many of the sleepy inhabitants were well aware of the situation, the American occupation was underway. And great events touched the Lugo domain, as the last battle of the war was fought on Rancho San Antonio on January 9, 1847, the Battle of La Mesa. The spot at the present site of the Union Stockyards in Los Angeles, is marked with a monument of stones. Now the life of the sleepy Pueblo began to undergo a gradual change as the American settlers came pouring in. But with them came another and less desirable element. The gold rush in Northern California had brought every kind of roughneck and desperado into the state. And presently, Los Angeles was overrun by a wave of extreme lawlessness. Respectable citizens of the little town were becoming alarmed. Strong measures were needed. Things came to a head one night. Whoa! Whoa! Well, Betsy, old gal, here we are, back home. Just a minute and you'll have... All right, senor. Put up your hands. What is this? All right, Temple. Hand over your money. Uh, I don't understand. Uh, Temple? My name's I said hand over that money. If you don't... Uh, But you're making a mistake. My name's... Clifford. Dead by the hand of a notorious desperado and gambler, the citizen Pinckney Clifford. Quickly, the irate people of Los Angeles gathered around the tiny jailhouse where the captured culprit was held. This is the last straw. These things must stop. Let's get him. Let's put a stop to this business. Bring him out. We'll fix him. We'll show him. Bring him out. Give him up. We got a necktie party already. Come on, everybody. What are we waiting for? Let's go in and get him. Hold on. Mayor Forster. All right, now, just hold your horses, everybody. 
This isn't benefiting the citizens of a city like ours. Hold up, now wait a minute. Here we are trying to clean up Los Angeles, making it a city of law and order. What do you fellas do? Throw over everything we've tried to do. All right. We ever expect to have order here? We got to establish it from the ground up. We got to let the courts take care of the criminals, not disregard their laws. And you talk about lynching. You're just as bad as the men you're trying to get. Look who's talking. Yeah, what's the matter with you, Steve? Hey, get soft. You used to ride with the vigilantes. All right. Yes, I know. I used to ride with the vigilantes. Now, we have courts and authorities to handle these things. It's their duty. And it's ours as good citizens to give them a chance. Oh, oh go on home now. Yeah. Let that murderer get away scot-free. He won't get away. I promise you that. He'll get what he deserves. Halloween, Lord. I give you my word. Mayor of Los Angeles and a citizen like you, I promise you that justice will be done. Well, if this man isn't hanged for his murder, I promise you I'll resign my office and march at your head to see that he is. Stephen C. Foster, one of the first mayors of Los Angeles under the Americanos, who was also Don Antonio Maria Lugo's son-in-law, risked his office to stop the lynching. But a month later... Hey, you're out of my way! Come I'm in. going in to see the mayor. Come in! Come in! So, Foster, you promised that Brown would be hanged for murdering Clifford, eh? Yes, I gave you my word. Well, what are you going to do now? I... What do you mean? Brown was sentenced to be hanged? Yeah, he was supposed to get strung up tomorrow morning. Well? But he isn't. I just found out the Supreme Court has granted him a stay of execution. He's going to get out of it. Oh. Well, is that all you can say? You gave your word, Foster. I know I did. And now let's see you make it good. Well, how can we respect the law if we... Yeah, no matter. I did give you my word. Is that all you're going to do? Sit there writing... I'm writing my resignation. Be with me. Because a policy of title insurance is so readily procurable, you might think it must be simple and inexpensive to produce. But the fact is that the issuance of even the simplest title policy, no matter how recently the title may have been searched, requires no less than 21 separate operations, each of which requires the services of highly trained personnel. Furthermore, the operations I've just referred to do not include the routine work of maintaining the system of records or title plant, which, of course, must be maintained whether or not any title policies are issued. In other words, the Title Insurance and Trust Company must maintain an up-to-the-minute record on every parcel of land in the county in order to be able to issue a policy of title insurance on any parcel of land. It is only because of the size and completeness of its great title plant and the trained efficiency of its record searchers and examiners that the Title Insurance and Trust Company of Los Angeles can issue title insurance policies so promptly. Remember these facts the next time you have need for title insurance. Remember, too, that the rates of the Title Insurance and Trust Company of Los Angeles are substantially lower than the average cost of similar protection elsewhere in the United States. Fighting the lawlessness of early Los Angeles demanded strong measures such as Stephen C. Foster was forced to use. 
And although conditions gradually improved, the little city was never to revert to the peaceful and quiet village of the Dons. And so it was that many of the rancheros abandoned their townhouses to retire to their more peaceful ranchos outside the city. Such was the case with Don Vicente Lugo, Don Antonio's son, who owned the Lugo townhouse. Don Vicente? I don't know what to say. This is indeed a generous gift. Not at all. I would rather that this house were to be used for some good purpose rather than another gambling den. Well, I'm happy that you feel this way. I am only sorry that I cannot change the location to a more desirable spot for a school. No, that's not important, senor. I believe the St. Vincent's College will prosper in spite of any unfortunate surroundings. Senor, I hope so. It is a bitter thing for me to see this lovely plaza, once the center of the finest residences, the front yards of our finest citizens, turned into a thoroughfare of drunken, obscene, brawling gamblers. Yes, it is unfortunate, but that, senor, is life. And life has changed, and we must accept it. I can only hope that this beautiful house, which you have so generously donated to our college, shall not change, but shall remain an inspiring memory of the great days of Los Angeles for all to see. The townhouse of the Lugo still remains standing on the East Los Angeles Street, on the south side of the Los Angeles Plaza. Historic as the first two-story house in the Pueblo, it served as the home of St. Vincent's College until, in later years, it was taken over by Chinese merchants and is now a curio shop. But the rancheros were still the leading citizens of Los Angeles, even though the Americans' progressive spirit was slowly forcing them out. They had a few more years of prosperity. In fact, the greatest they had ever known. For in the early 50s, wealth came to Los Angeles. Catch it, mis amigos. Whoever catches it can have it. There. Jose, 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 Come with me, come. Oh, no, mi amigo. No. We are playing games. I cannot leave. You are coming with me. Oh, Hurry. No, no, no. Oh, we were having such fun, mi amigo. Why do you take me away? Jose, I could not believe my eyes. You have suddenly gone mad. I never could have believed it. You should be so foolish. Foolish, mi amigo? See, si, foolish. Do you realize what you were doing? Tell me, what was I doing? You were throwing money away, gold pieces. Throwing them to the crowd. Have you gone mad? No, mi amigo. It was great sport. But gold pieces. Oh, poor. What are they for me? Nothing. Spare change. Gold pieces? See, you do not seem to realize me, amigo. I'm a rich man now, a very rich man, and so are you. You are mad. What do you mean? I have just returned from San Francisco. I took a herd of cattle there, and I came back with thousands, thousands of pieces of gold. Now I'm rolling in gold. You have been gambling. Oh, no, senor. It was not necessary. I sold my cattle. See, for $75 a head. Senor, you are loco. $75 for a cow hide. Oh, no, 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 senor. Not for the hide, for the cow, for the meat. What? For the meat? But the meat of a cow is not worth $75. It only makes some carne seca. Oh, no, senor. Always it was the hide which was worth more, but not now. The Americanos, thousands of them in San Francisco, they want food, meat. And now the beef is far more valuable than the hide. 
10, 20 times as valuable. And we, we're all rich. You with your thousands of heads, you can sell them for a princely fortune. Is this true? See, si, see. Si. Hurry, mi amigo. Drive your herds to San Francisco. There a fortune is awaiting you. The soaring cattle prices of those times brought undreamed-of prosperity to the rancheros of the Southland. And, not knowing that it could not last forever, they took advantage of their new riches to indulge in an orgy of extravagance. Hey, look. Look, here comes Don Felipe Lugo. See his splendor outfit. See? Look at his saddle on his horse. Inlaid with solid gold and silver mounted. Must have cost a fortune. No, 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 not at all. Only 2,000 pesos. Lavish expenditures on clothes. Lavish display in hospitality. The good-hearted Californians welcomed the chance to pass their prosperity on in happiness and good cheer with their neighbors. Great fandangos were held. Guests thronged the haciendas, and gaiety ran high. Welcome, welcome, mis amigos. My house is yours. Come in, come uh, in. Gracias, Don Vicente. I took the liberty of extending your invitation to a few friends of mine. Wonderful. Welcome, all of you. And the friends, they invited some friends of theirs. Oh, hey, no, the more the better. I am most happy to have you all. Come in, come in, come in, please. Come please. I just want to tell you I must be leaving. Leaving? But, senor, you are not enjoying us? I see, 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 but I must go. I, I, I've been here two days already. What? Only you have been here only two days? <laughs> oh, mi amigo, then I shall not hear of you leaving. Oh, but don't oh, 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 no, no, no. You must not leave until you have been here two weeks. <laughs> no, but uh, really, I, I must go. I, I cannot waste any more time. Time, senor. Have you ever heard what time is? Who it was made for? <laughs> time was made for slaves. Of course you have time. Come now, no nonsense. Enjoy yourself. We shall try our hand at the gaming table, eh? Oh, no, no, don't be sense. I am almost out of money. Oh, then borrow some. Borrow some. See, that is what I do whenever I run short of gold. <laughs> borrow. It is very easy. Oh, but the interest they charge you, senor... Six percent a month. Oh, it is not much, senor, six percent. Besides, you shall pay it back, no? Yes, you will pay it back when you drive the next herd to San Francisco. Oh. So why not? Oh, oh, oh come, you are timid. Uh, maybe, senor, but this cannot go on forever. Money does not grow on trees. Oh, 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 oh no, senor, you are right. No, money does not grow on trees. But it does grow on four legs. On who? Ah, we do not have to worry as long as we can raise our cattle. Until that time, yes, until that time, we have money to burn. See, see, but have you thought perhaps that time might come soon? Senor, Don Vicente... See, Juan, what is it? Senor, there is still no rain. See, I know. How long has it been? We have had no rain for over a year. A year. Senor, it is serious. The earth is parched. The grass is dried up. There is nothing for our cattle to eat. How many have we lost so far? Oh, it is hard to say. They fall down and die out on the hills. We do not find them. But I have counted a hundred carcasses on one little hill. It must be thousands. Juan, I don't know what to do. I have borrowed money, expecting to pay from the cattle. I know. 
There has been no cattle money. For a year, I... No. It is, as you say, serious. You mean the rancho must be sold? I hope not. Juan, how many cattle have we left? How many could you round up? Mm, perhaps 500, perhaps 1,000. He and Savi. This is our last hope. Round them up. We shall try to drive them to San Francisco. But, senor, they are half starved. They'll never get there. We'll try. It's our only chance. But, senor, from here on, we should be all right. With fresh grass and water, our cattle will be able to make the rest of the trip. See, and the farther north we go, the more grazing land we will find. The worst is over. Uh, see, <laughs> and, and we still have almost 700 head. Ah, that much will help. Uh, what is that? Say, look, coming out of the canyon up ahead. Men on horseback. They are bandits. Cattle rustlers. Senor, we are after our cattle. No, there are too many of them. We cannot hope to stand them off. What shall we do? Do we shall fight. Come on, hold on, my fucking hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. One, see, is he dead? See, three killed. We were lucky it wasn't more. See, and they heard. They got away with over half of it. What we still have about three hundred head. But that is not enough, one. Not enough. Misfortune came to the aristocratic Lugos, as it did to most of the old families of California. Bit by bit, they lost their vast rancho San Antonio. Until today, all that remains is a small tract upon which stands the home of Don Vicente Lugo, one of the first wooden houses ever to be built in Los Angeles County. In the years that followed, part of the land which once had been the Rancho San Antonio came under the ownership of Jonathan S. Slauson, for whom Slauson Avenue was named. And on this part, a few years ago, the great Firestone Tire and Rubber Company factory was built. On other parts of the rancho, the towns of Huntington Park, Vernon, Walnut Park, Bell, Southgate, Linwood, and East Los Angeles were built. And today, the land of Don Antonio Maria Lugo is the heart of a great industrial area. Over this land echoes the hum of factories. Its houses the greatest concentration of industry and commerce in Western North America. Such is the story of progress. And such is the romance of the ranchos. 